Welcome back to My Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today is another fantastic day to speak to a beautiful, playful woman who has, has taken her breath work um, to the next level to actually help herself uh, in the first instance to to work through her trauma and who's now teaching others to to see the path forward to see the light to give hope to go out there and to heal and there are so many different ways how we trauma survivors are are dealing with with our tragedies and it is uh, today i want to i want to explore uh gunjani's uh methods and and her listen to her story to figure out what can we learn from her so gunjani uh patel osa uh it's lovely lovely to have you on my show thank you so much for coming oh thank you so much for this opportunity i um i'm so honored to be here and um be um available to your audience to speak about some of the things that I've been sort of, you know, working on in the past few months and in the process of rebranding, being able to speak about this in this moment is just so amazing and aligned. Mm. So thank you so much for mm. this. And you're already alluding to to the fact that you're rebranding. And it's I guess that's that's a matter of fact, because we are on a path. So once you've you've crawled out of your own darkness, um, you start constantly reinventing yourself yes. because just as much as you as you have got so many different layers of trauma uh, that you're peeling back and need to deal with, there's also so many different layers of healing, uh, mm. and 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 it is, it is something makes sense for a little while, and then you have dealt with that trauma and you move on to the next thing and you explore new paths. And uh, often in response to something either new or something old that has come up. So mm -hmm. it's amazing. So if we, we are exactly the same there. I feel already that vibe. But let's, let's go a little bit back to the start. We, when you were a young girl, you were certainly not waking up one day and running into mommy's bedroom saying, mommy, 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 I want to be a transformation coach. I want to help people how to heal. Yeah, no. <laughs> what no. did you want to be when you were a girl? Oh, wow. That's a, that's an intense uh, question uh, for my story. The reason I say that is because I've done a lot of work and healing work around that. Um, so I was, when I was uh, growing up, I wanted, I grew up as a South Asian. So I identify um, as East Asian Indian. And in the Indian culture, it's like there are two running questions in the household at, at, in my generation. Things are changing now, which I'm very thankful for. But Back then, it was just like either you are a doctor or you are an engineer. If you're uh, identifying as male, you are an engineer most of the time or you're a doctor. I mean, it's a given. Like there's no like, OK, if you're doing well in school, then that's those are the paths, so to speak. Um, so my path was supposed to be a doctor and then stuff happened and it didn't end up being a doctor. I, I am a licensed mental health therapist who is a trauma therapist at this point. So I'm sort of semi or pseudo doctor, but uh, I don't have my PhD. So I'll just 
stick to, you know, I'm a licensed mental health therapist. Mm. But uh, so I grew up wanting to help people. I want I grew up wanting to, you know, somehow be in the hospital setting, impacting people. So my college so that started was, out. That was what you wanted to do or that was yeah, what you were expected to do? Oh, okay. Um, cool. Both, both. Um, I was expected to be a doctor, but then oh. I, I loved the idea of being able to help people. And I think that's one of the reasons that was the career trajectory that I ended up in that I, you know, right before one of the most, like Indian education system is designed very differently than the American education system. And here things are quite different, but I guess for me, I guess, and now at this point, like being a neuroscience nerd, this is a neuroscience tidbit for you people. The prefrontal part of our brain, which is the moral reasoning, the judgment, the decision, the logistics, the, you know, language, the type A accounting part of your brain, it doesn't completely develop till we're 27 years old. So to be able to ask to make a decision about your life, where are you going to be when you grow up at 16, <laughs> is quite ridiculous to me. But that's that's that. I'm not going to go on a school tangent over here. Agreed. But, you know, that's what happened. And then I'm like, wow, okay, if I'm not a doctor, and I just got like three degree burn, and I had to take two months off right before some of the most important exams of my life that was going to determine my career trajectory. That clearly was a huge fail. And my parents were not overtly, um, overtly, so to speak, uh, disappointed. But I was disappointed in myself. And in Indian culture, we don't talk about emotions. So, and I think here too, most of my trauma people, we don't talk about emotions. I mean, and that's something that I'm so excited that I can't wait to share towards the end of our uh, story. But, you know, I wish I was taught how to or communicated to or taught how to deal with sadness. I wish I was taught how to deal with the emotion of disappointed. I, I wish I was taught to deal with the emotion of lack of self-forgiveness, you know, so those things, so those things happen and that ended up being quite traumatic. And then I'm like, okay, if I can't be a doctor, I guess I want to work in a hospital setting. I'll be a RD, which is registered dietitian. So I was like, okay, uh, I will go and pursue that degree. So I came to the United States and I was like, okay, um, here when I came, it was like blank slate, you know, life started all over again. I was super excited because I was like, okay, my parents did give it up, give me an opportunity to move to America. And they said, we would finance your education, whatever you want to do. And I was like, okay, I guess not whatever that it came with a cost because it was like, why don't you just start, you know, finish what you started. And I was like, I don't want to do nutrition. I literally either fall asleep in half my classes because I'm getting an aid so easy or, I am so bored that I fall asleep. So I was literally <laughs> the whole time falling asleep through most of my classes. And I was like, I want to still become a doctor. Can I still consider that? And they were like, absolutely not. We sent you there for something. You're always jumping around. You need to finish what you started. And I said, this is great. So I graduated. But by the time I graduated, I absolutely didn't want anything to do with telling people what to do and what to eat and lose weight. Because my mother was one of those people. She would go to a dietitian, she would lose the weight, and then she would come back and she'd be back to where she was. And I'm like, this is not working. This is what I went to school for five years. Like, this doesn't make sense. So... That's one of the reasons I ended up picking uh, therapy and started did my grad school in mental health because I was like, I want to study behavior behind people's, uh, you know, choices as opposed to 
what is it that drives the behavior? What is it that stops them from that behavior? And all of that. So then I went into that path. And then when I graduated, my program, my advisor was like, if you're going to be a therapist, you need to be on the other side of the couch for you to know and feel what it feels like for people to come and see you. And I'm like, nice. I don't have any issues. What are you talking about? And it took me three, four months to wrap my head around that. And then when I went to a psychologist, it absolutely transformed my life. Right. And I have spent almost a decade paying that forward because I went in there and opened a Pandora's box. I dealt with the divorce, the shame that came with the divorce that I was currently going through at that time. I dealt with sexual molestation around adolescence. I dealt with all kinds of things, like the disappointment and all the emotions that I didn't experience feel. And then I'm like dissociating, not feeling or either falling apart and feeling suicidal. And I'm like, what is, what, nothing is wrong with me. What is wrong with you all? So I had to deal with a lot of that. And and I'm like, wow, this is great. So it was quite intense. <laughs> I'm laughing because you... you oh, watched. now I can. I, I, if oh. I was in that place with now, it is absolutely funny to me. The whole playfulness thing comes from the fact that if I wouldn't have been through that journey, I wouldn't be here talking about it like this. Sure. No, no, I'm, I'm laughing. This is only half of it. <laughs> I'm laughing because your lips move, yet my words are coming out. Minus the sexual molestation. That is the only thing that, 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 that is not there. And, and, and a nasty divorce. But it, it ultimately, there are, there are, it is, it is so normal. Certainly in, in, in Germany, uh, there, where I grew up, it was, mm. there was no real well, if there was psychology, it, it was certainly poo-pooed in my family. You were Thank strong. You. you were you were the man. That's that's what you do. Certain right. role models, certain certain behaviors, um, and it's just uh, no one talked about the emotions. That's right, and <laughs> and it is it is so harsh. It is so it makes me cringe because I get sort of flashbacks to my youth and to my younger years where I thought, oh sh. Where I now think, my goodness, what would have had occurred then, uh, mm. or what, what what would have happened if I was forced to do a journey like you, to actually mm. say as part of my job, come on, boy, onto the couch now, let's talk. Oh, God, <laughs> okay, this would have been very different. And guess what? It happened finally yeah. when I was in rehab. In yeah. for me, you know, I tr I tried to numb it all. Um, mm. I mean, I mean how could you not? I mean, it is that kept you here. If you didn't numb it here, you wouldn't be here. Mm. I mean, yeah, so you, that's so here you, natural. Exactly. I mean, Gunjani, you're you're a a very bouncy personality now, but clearly you were in the past. You were a, a different girl. You oh, were very. very uh, I, let's just say my light was just. It was dark. Mm. <laughs> I wouldn't even put it. In, my light was dimmed. It was just straight up dark. And uh, th there were a few years of that, not going to lie. But, you know, on the other, now I look back and I'm just like, wow. It, you know, the, the Rumi quote, I really like that. It's like, wound is a place where the light enters. And I really think that mm -hmm. it wasn't. I, I, and now, like I've really, in the past year and a half, taken a deep dive into my, you know, exploration of spirituality and where I'm with those things. Um, I, I I look at all 
the things that I've been through in my life as a gift because where I am in this exact moment is the culmination of all the things I've learned, all the things that I've become as a result of that. Back then I used to be like, oh my God, if there is God, why is this happening to me? And all that victim consciousness stuff, you know? And I think that too had a place and time for it. I just wish I had more guidance that I have mm -hmm. now. Um, but I guess at the end, it all worked out. That's, that's where I'm at. So I'm like, wow. Mm -hmm. Because in this human setting or in this human experience that we all go through, I truly, truly have come to believe that pain is inevitable. Suffering is a choice. And a lot of us get stuck in that pain because we don't have the guidance. We don't have the connection with people who, you know, we just are not resourced. And thus we get stuck in it till we decide one day to continue to work at it or look at it and get through it. Um, and the awakening and the transcendence that comes through that process is just so beautiful. And you're so right, because none of us really realize until we do the work is that we have got a supercomputer up there mm -hmm. and that supercomputer is incredibly powerful if you ask the right questions and if yes. you guide if you know how to to use the keyboard but most of us have never been given the user manual so yes. here we are tapping a little bit uh oh that feels good what's that oh that's alcohol oh that feels good or or uh, oh that's not nice that's emotions eh, nah, nah, nah. i don't want to go there or what's yeah. that oh that's sex oh that feels good can i have more of that and it's mm. it's it's like an like an like an infant uh, like mm. like 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 a toddler uh, yeah. that's that's unfortunately <laughs> the emotional level of many of many people many adults that are running around yes. out there yes. and when having said that i mean going back to to your story a bit earlier in your life um here you were in what sounds like a, a relatively guarded and, and a bit more strict environment with a focus on on achievement. And then you were let loose in the United States. You said it yourself. <laughs> Literally. <Yeah. laughs> Literally. <laughs> Clean slate, <laughs> which also means far away from mommy and daddy. Yes. What, what new personality came out there? <laughs> the playfulness, literally, the playfulness. all the things that I was not, you know, and now I, my recent addition to my title, uh, to the whole mental, licensed mental health thing, I, I as I'm expanding and rebranding, I'm, I've decided, because I, when I got back on social media two years ago, um, after having gone through my postpartum, I've literally, like, start, shut myself off. Mm -hmm. The reason I bring that story up is because I'm in the process of now, now what do I want to be when I grow up? Because mm -hmm. I you know, the next phase of that um, becoming the better version of myself story. And, you know, it's just like, first I used to be this person who was always, what will people think? What will people, you know, it was all about growing up in the culture. It was mm -hmm. all about the people. And mm -hmm. now in the past few years, having gone through another dip, because I really feel my life is about valleys and mountains. And after having gone through a sort of valley, I've realized that it's about, what do I want? And it's not in a narcissistic way, but I feel like we are the first relationship we have. So if we don't have a good relationship with ourselves and are not conducted the love and the heart space, we show up in other relationships differently. And then it becomes, what do people want? What do, you know, what will people say? At this point, I, people's opinion can be in people's opinion, but I'm so solid in my self-regard and my alignment that people can have an opinion that's okay but that doesn't mean anything about my worth but that came with a lot of work but going back to your question 
when I came to America, so now my recent title is mindful, also mindful parenting coach, and I mentor parents of toddlers, you know, break the patterns of their stress and anxiety so that they can raise calm, confident, and resilient mm-hmm. kids. And a part of that is showing up for yourself. I was going through that myself right now. And it's like, if, if kids do what we do, not do what we say. So if I'm showing up angry because I'm triggered from my past that I haven't healed, because I really feel when we are in a relationship with someone, things come up. When we have kids, things come up. And when those things come up, it's like we were on our own. Life is great. Oh, you're the problem. (laughs) It's so easy to say that. But the unhealed stuff from our past comes up when we are in a relationship and they're mirroring what we are what is happening within us spiritually. So I really think that as a result of my recent dip and this toddlerhood experience, I realized there were things that needed to be healed. So when I came to America, I was just like, I just literally did everything that I shouldn't be doing. And it's like, because I was raised in a culture where it was like traditional parenting paradigm that do as I say, don't do as I do. And I'm not going to equip you with skills to handle your emotions because they're a big part of you. It's not just the human computer, the mind, but lately I've been into a lot of somatic work and a lot of, you know, spiritual deep dive. So it's about our emotional body because our body is 86 billion neurons. It's not just in the brain. All the messages that we carry, all the emotions that we carry that are not processed, not healed, they get stuck. They literally get stuck and we operate out of those distortions. And if you're raised with, you are my object, I'm going to tell you what to do and not overtly that harshly, but basically it's like, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Well, guess what? And my sister says it really well. She's like, strict parents raise lying kids. I mean, if you don't want me to do anything, then you won't know about it, but I'll do it. Nice, nice. And I'm just like, wow. So the new 2021 paradigm in modern parenting is all about letting kids be the author of their life, letting them have some control within the guidance of I'm in this container for you. Let me guide you through this experience called life with the emotions that you're experiencing and consciously lead you to a place where you took this soul and this human body for not a lot of people think that way till you get to this place where man stuff happened and whew, that was difficult. So true, isn't it? So true. And we're, uh, we could go so many, so many paths on, on, on this point, but you've raised so many very valid points. I think the reality is that we all are humans. We mm. all want pleasure we all hate uh the the pain and we all are programmed at a very very early stage in our life with and from that program come our emotions and from those Mm. emotions come our actions Mm. and that is something that most people don't realize Uh, it took me it took me a long time to get on top of my emotions, realize Mm. what emotions really are, label, Mm. not label them, um, get to know them as Mm. friends, get to Mm. know them. What what is right now happening in me? Ah, 
Anxiety. Good. Hello, anxiety. How are you? Yes. Ah, that kind yes. of a thing. And yes. Uh, these emotions, they are beautiful, but it is, again, only the last two, three years that I really have understood more Same here. what has caused these emotions or what does continue to cause these emotions. Why is there anger? Why is there resentment? Why is there depression? Why is there anxiety? Mm. And so it is... Uh, it is nowadays I ask my I've learned to ask myself, okay, hello, you funny emotion. Um, this is a good emotion. I like it. Why do I feel like that? Oh, okay. And this is a, a why am I so sad? Why am I so mm. down today? What, mm. but dear body, what would you like to tell me? Right. So, and I think that is a, if if we can start coming around to accepting that we are a bunch of of neurons and a bunch of oh, a, a flood. It's like an ocean. There's huge floods and waves of neurochemicals washing over us, and it's just and you can either like them or you can hate them. That's completely up to you. But these emotions will come and these waves will come. So it would be nice to actually come to a point where you are becoming an, an, a perfect surfer or a sailor who reads the sea and says, oh, there is an interesting wave coming. Okay, uh, it will come. I like it. I love yeah. it. How, how can I deal with it? What do I do with this wave? Am I getting drowned by it or am I surfing actually the wave? What will I do? And it's, yes. it's so beautiful. And that, this, this, is, this is something you have come to understand better than many others out there because you did the work on yourself but having said that who guided you i mean there was there was in suddenly to the united states came this quite quite liberated very, now very fierce soul yeah that's right <laughs> bring it on give me life now i take it on uh, so, i mean out of interest out of how did how did the uh, did the alcohol uh came in did alcohol play a role for you Oh, big. Uh, in denial, um, I, because I grew up in a family where we were not, as, especially as girls, we were not allowed to drink. We were not allowed to go out. We were not allowed to go clubbing. I grew up in a very conservative family. I, I respect that, but now I don't agree with that. Um, and, you know, it was just what it was. And when I got the freedom, I tasted a lot of it. Uh, and it, it with a lack of skills to work through emotions and that was that has become like my recent sort of flat post you know I'm literally claiming to teach emotion I mean teach people emotions now and normalizing them because I, I in the past few months especially uh, given the trauma work that I do and all the stuff that I've been through and you know the lessons came sort of in in doses it didn't all just come at once obviously <laughs> yeah I, I don't even know I can't even begin I, I had to start with a lot of mindset work I I did a lot of EMDR trauma therapy which was which taught me a lot of emotional intelligence um and now where I'm at what you were saying really spoke to me because you know I just having been doing research on emotions quite a bit lately my my thing is emotions are not good or bad they are just signals mm. we are and as humans we are like story making machines and we have to have a story around everything and we get caught up in that and stuck in it instead of just notice and identifying so my biggest thing these days to people is feel pause breathe feel and heal if we don't let the thoughts 
go through us, they stay stuck. Then we continue to and end up in places we don't need to end up in. Unnecessary anxiety, that's what I call it. And most people don't know how to maneuver through that, unfortunately, and thus we get caught up in it. Um, so I really appreciate shows like this and platforms like this where I can speak with people because I think not everybody seeks mental health and does like the whole venture into the coaching career mm-hmm. because I'm like at some point if there are people like men most of my therapy people when we work through a lot of trauma emotions is definitely something we talk about because emotional vocabulary is not something that we were all equipped with. We all literally have emotion vocabulary of like a toddler, literally. So, and I I show up here with a whole veal of emotions for my people and they're like, what? All the, like, like seven emotions are the basic emotions that people are used to even, you know, in their 40s, 50s, 60s. So it's like, what? And there's so much in terms of it, the emotions reaction. So most of the time I tell people, it's like, <sighs> take a deep breath. Just notice, name, and like you were saying, instead of asking the question, why? And and I used to find myself asking that, like, why this, why that? And I used to find myself in so much agony because I asked myself why. And there is no why. There is, you will never have, you will beat yourself like to death asking yourself why. Instead, ask yourself, what is this teaching me? Become curious, become excited. What is it trying to teach you? You know, technically, the emotion of excitement and anxiety is physiologically felt the same in the body. We have sweaty palms, we have heart Mm. racing, we have... uh, So instead of I am anxious, don't become anxious. Stay you. I am feeling anxious. There is a part of me that is experiencing fear. There is a part of me that is experiencing Mm. sadness. Instead of attaching to that part, befriend that part and notice what it's trying to teach you. Because the emotions come up when we care about something. When we care about something, it's questioning and becoming curious as in, what are my values related to this that are affecting me so much? And if we allow ourselves to be curious, we have the answers within us. Our body has that innate intelligence to give us the answer. We get caught up in this lower vibrating emotions such as fear, anger, shame, especially shame. A lot of us grow up with those shame messages in the first five years. And first five years sets up the trajectory for the rest of your life. So if we weren't taught emotional intelligence in the first five years... We don't know, you know, it's based on like, depending on your parent, a lot of times, depending on your parenting, it's like, how many of us actually sat and connected with our kids and asked that, taught them, you're feeling anger, let it all out. It's okay. Let me teach you how to adaptively deal with anger. How many people do that with their kids, their five-year-olds, their two-year-olds or three-year-olds having a tantrum? So I've made it a mission of my life to make this my life's work now because I'm so psyched, so excited. And I'm like starting with parents two and a half to five years old mm-hmm. and building like a peaceful place in their house, a little corner where parents can proactively name, see, visualize like a series of five posters, like an educational tour tool where you literally take time to connect with your child every day, 10 minutes, teaching them, talking them, connecting with them. What are you feeling? All feelings are allowed. Even my three-year-old at this point, it's like sometimes I'll be crying and I'm not the person who usually cries because I had this whole vulnerability and pride thing on my shoulder and I'm like, I don't cry. And now I'm like, if I'm going to set an example for him, I have to normalize everything that comes up for me. 
in its rawness. And even then he comes and hugs me and he's like, mommy, don't cry. All feelings are allowed. All emotions are welcome. And I'm like, oh, yeah. beautiful, <laughs> beautiful. Oh, yeah. God. And that is, and therefore, again, I I feel cringeworthy because I uh, cringeworthy. Well, yeah, I am cringeworthy in this case because <laughs> when I was a dad at that age, Ooh, I was a mess. Know. No, mm. I was a mess. I was, I was, I I was a mess emotionally, mm. and mm. it is just so harsh nowadays. If I just had the chance, if I guess, let's say it like this. Would I change my story with a time machine? Would I change things? Now, as far as I'm concerned, no. Because mm. had I not gone through all the trauma, had I not gone through all the shit in my life, then I wouldn't be the man who I am now. Absolutely. So that's fact. So therefore, will I change it for myself? No. Would I change it for my children? Hell yes. Hell yes. Can I just have all that bloody insights that I've got now mm. and go back and changed the way I brought them up in the first five years. Mm. Yes, 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 and again, yes. And and that is that is that is the one big regret that I've got um, about that. And here you are working on it, and I guess I'm working on it now. Um, this is <laughs> I love that. This is my book, our first yeah. children's book. Uh, this is Esme the Mindful Mouse and little Esme. Um, is exactly is experiencing the the frustrations of emotions and things like that. So that book is coming out in November, and we're working on on several other children's books because I so agree with you. It is so much easier build strong young people compared yes. uh, compared with with repair broken men uh, and women for it that. It gives me chills, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So therefore we both are so aligned in 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 the way. And um, before in the preamble to us to us coming on to show, you were when I asked you, well, how would you describe yourself nowadays? And you said playful. Yes. And that is such a beautiful thing. Because I mean guys out there if you listen to that, when was the last time you truly played? You mm. truly Loved from your belly that your that tears were running down your face. When yes. were you the last time you were truly stupid and 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 danced danced dance around? Um, most of us say, "Oh yeah, I do that. I I I I I did. I think I did that about five years ago." Years ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then you were probably drunk. Okay, so what does that tell you? So I, I think I, I'm as guilty as charged and, and so were you because you have only just reconnected with that inner child. You mm. found that found that inner child. That inner child was lost somewhere there for a long time. And, and no, I think it was more that because of the trauma work or healing that I had done on myself, I, I knew that that inner child existed. But just like you had you had mentioned earlier, you know, it's like the healing process is not a destination it's a journey it's like i t the way i tell my clients the trauma people that i deal with because i specialize in in the mental health realm i specialize in depression anxiety trauma cptsd ptsd grief loss and addiction so when i'm teaching people to find their new identity as a result of having gone through the trauma but now trying to figure out who they are post it and you know where they're at in that process of who they are 
one of the things we explore is, you know, it's like I, I, I tell them overtly that it's like a healing journey is like an onion. You just have to keep peeling on the layers to really get mm. to the core. Mm. And it's like the core is our true essence, the true inner, you know, it's like the, the mm. peace that exists within us, that stillness that exists within us, that love that exists within us that we just have to reclaim after all the stuff that just got piled on top of it. Mm. So, you know, when the whole playfulness thing, it's like, like I was telling you earlier in our conversation that I always felt so playful as a kid. Like we just did, I had such a good childhood till preteen and it was just so fun. And we used to just back then technology. So I'm not that old, but <laughs> I was wise. I like to use the word wise, but you know, it's like in the nineties, we played out and we, we, we played with our bikes. We played hide and seek. We played catch each other. We played, you know, those things that were just so natural and fun and grounding and nature. And it was just like, oh, I miss those days. So actually, I mean, you said, when was the last time you played? I literally played like an 20 minutes before our conversation because my toddler is home today, like Friday. Right. And I decided to have a child this late in life. I, I didn't have him not too long ago, but I had my child in my late 30s because it's like in my head, given all the work that I had done, for myself and the intergenerational cycles of depression and trauma that were happening in my life. I was like, I don't want to bring someone into this world knowing if I'm not ready for it because I owe it. It's like karma, like will zap me by the end of my life. Like, how could I do that? You know? So I was just like, no, I, I, I am not designed to be a single mother and B because I had dealt with a lot of father wounds and abandonment issues and stuff. I mean, even though my father was present, but overtly he would be like, I mean, I'm, I'm not emotional. I don't do emotions. And I'm just like, that's, there's a reason why most of my work now is based on emotions because I, do not dismiss or invalidate that experience that I've been through. So I'm just like, how? So then I, I now, I since I had him this late, I'm just like, I want to have a child when I'm ready for it. And I want to have a child when the time is right and when all, all things align. I don't want to have a child because I have to have a child. I mean, one day I was like, if my stop clock stops ticking, I'll adopt a child way too many children in this world that could use my love. But I want to have the child for the right reasons and not because I'm this years old, I have to get married, I have to have children and everything that I'd seen and been through. So the playfulness came from, I had a child and now I'm like, and having been doing all my work and even this breath work stuff, you know, the recent stuff, it's just, I'm so now finally connected to those inner child parts that were there that I had looked at but I didn't know what to do with some parts. And I'm just like, they're there. And then I would be like, no, I'm like, let's not think about this. Let's not. And it was all about thinking. It wasn't about feeling. It wasn't about deep diving, you know? Now I'm like, all my parts are, I recognize when my parts show up. I recognize when my protectors that were still showing up from my younger days as like the controller protector, the, you know, the addict protector the, you know, aggressive protector, all of those parts very much showed up when my child was born and I was raising him and he's three years, three months, but it's like, whew, I really had to get my act together to be like, I'm ready for this parenting thing, not just know it and know what it has done to the people I work with, to me, all that stuff. But now truly at this place, I'm like, 
ready to make a bigger impact because I'm like all the kids in this world and you know it's like parents think kids will uh, schools will teach it schools think parent will teach it nobody teaches it and we all go through it and we're in this human experience about to experience some kind of major pain Mm. so what do we do with that pain like you know when we I always tell my clients that when you get a pain, pain is inevitable. It's like emotions, not good or bad. It just is. It's information. It's data. You get a pain you in, in your body. You cut yourself and you're like, oh, let me just go get a bandaid and take care of it. You don't say, let me think, should I take care of this or should I not? And we get in our heads. We don't do that. But when it comes to psychological and emotional pain, oh, this is sadness. Oh, my God. What is happening? And we all these stories in our head. And it's like. Drop in your body. Your body has the answers. Mm. You need. We need to be able to taught skills to work through the emotions, name them, feel them, get through them, bringing our awareness to where they're present in our body and how do we bring our awareness and notice them and not get identified and stuck and lost in them. I wish I was taught that growing up. <laughs> May I just point, again, guys, so much great stuff there. Um, one of the things that that Gunjani used in a little side sentence was actually pure gold. The addict protector, the mm. aggressive protector there. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is such an important way of looking or such a, such a great way of looking at it because your addiction is making sense to your body at that moment in time. It was meant to keep you safe. It was meant to protect you. In childhood, we developed these protectors because the emotional and the mental pain is so overwhelming that if we didn't have these protectors with the right tools or resources, if we didn't have those, Mm -hmm. then we wouldn't exist. So instead of disdaining it, Mm -hmm. looking at it in pure compassion and loving awareness Mm -hmm. makes that protector go away. Indeed. It was there for a reason. Indeed. But it's not serving you anymore. So what do you do with it? And that's beautiful. And that's certainly the aggressive, uh, the the kind of immediately. That was me. I used to. And then, oh, my God, I felt so bad after. I mm. felt so guilty. I felt yeah. so shameful. I oh, felt yeah. it was so insulting. And I was like, oh, yeah. something's got to change. Like something has got to change. What is this? And uh, yeah, absolutely. There were quite a few holes in my walls. In New Zealand, the walls are made of of a jib, which is sort of a, a, a something that you can break with a fist. Um, and yeah, there were quite a few holes in my walls, and that is certainly yeah. My children remember that. Remember me being angry, uh, and that, and therefore they learned to to move away from me. Mm-hmm. And that hurts me nowadays so mm-hmm. much that I didn't give the, or that that I couldn't control my own anger mm. in a way. I never hurt them, but mm-hmm. by me just being aggressive mm-hmm. and having outbursts, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. these outbursts were there for a reason. Mm-hmm. And what you just said, this it being protector, it gives it a chance to move away. Mm. And... Now me making amends and actually talking about these things and talking why those things had occurred and saying that that I'm actually very sorry for the way I've behaved 
that mm. is that is a beautiful, beautiful thing now for me to do. Absolutely, I, absolutely. You know, technically, we only have to get parenting right twenty percent of the time, and they still turn out okay. <laughs> <laughs> Then I was uh, sailing very much on a knife edge there. <laughs> I'm not sure that I get... 19.75%. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. The problem, uh, of course, is we are, we are all coined. We are all... all uh, all what we think about parenting comes from our own parenting. Mm -hmm. And virtually every young person says, no, when I grow up, oh, no, I will not treat my children like I've been treated, regardless what the treatment was. If it yes. was too lax to relax, they they say no, 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 no. They need we need to be more strict. And it's not a Exactly. So, it's like either you do parenting based on what you didn't want happening, or you swing completely on the opposite and say, you know what? And then, and that's one of the reasons like why I I've decided the title of mindful parenting, and my Facebook community is called mindful and consciously parenting because I actually mm. just made a post on this today. That how many of us as parents consciously parent we just parent and then we're like oh my god they just grew up and we were so uh -huh. in it they're thinking about the future or coming from our past distortions of blowing up or you know in our fight or fleas response or whatever we've been through because we're human so those things are going to come up if we're triggered if we're activated if we're defensive all of those things are a sign that there is some stuck emotional stuff in our systems that needs to be addressed so if we're coming from those places then it's like what how are we parenting so the bigger question to ask is what is my intention if we have an intention then we take actions that drive towards it's like if i get out of my house and i'm just like i'm just gonna drive i could end up in new york or seattle or i don't know new zealand mm. i mean where am i trying to go but if I have a direction and intention and I'm consciously, I want kids that are calm. I want kids that are resilient. I have to show up. I can't just say, be calm and yell at them. Mm. That's not going to work. I want independent children. I want confident children. Are you emulating everything you want? Or are you just showing up and then hoping for the best? Because that's what we all do, right? Uh, right? My uh, parents, I love them to pieces. But... They didn't have an intention. They were just hoping and surviving through their stuff. A lot of their stuff. And a lot of this stuff is intergenerational. 50% of trauma, addiction, and anxiety and depression were genetically predisposed from our ancestors. 40% is how parenting and all this other stuff happens. Schooling and where you grow up and all that. 10% is environmental. Mm. School is not teaching emotions. We're not teaching emotions. Who is teaching it? We're all experiencing it. Some of us are completely denying it and learning the hard way. Oh, instead of saying I'm experiencing an uncomfortable emotion, we become that emotion and then it just takes us for a ride mm -hmm. till we come back yep. home in our body. For those of you listen and thought, what, what, intergenerational and depression comes from the parent bullshit. Um, Actually, to give you an example out of my daily practice as an anesthetist, uh, many people absolutely hate needles, needle phobia. Mm -hmm. Now, needle phobia, we have found out that this is actually genetically handed down mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. 50,000 years ago, 
people figured out on the cave floor that if you don't get stabbed, you live longer. So, and somehow that made it really deep ingrained into our, into our, uh, in the hardwiring Genetics. of us. Uh, so, yeah. so actually, yes, whilst it might sound weird, there is actually very much something to be said. There are, uh, there are, Uh, certain experiments where rats were exposed to electric shocks on their paws mm -hmm. every time. Mm -hmm. and, and parallel to that, they smelled a certain smell. So mm -hmm. very soon they realized when that smell came, you don't step on that metal plate because you get shocked. So that was one generation. And then those this generation mice had parties and went to work and then little, little, little rats came out. And these rats had never been exposed to the smell. But the moment they were running around, were on the metal, and that smell was whiffed through their cage, they jumped off the metal uh, uh, thing because genetically they had learned from their parents mm -hmm. that that smell is not good. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if you tell me that no, 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 what happened to my parents has nothing to do with me, well, think again. 50% so, it is. Yeah, so there is, there is that, that is where the intergeneral, intergenerational um, issue comes in. And that's something that we keep forgetting. And that's something oh. we need to keep reminding us, especially those of us who have had, quotation mark, shit parents. Um, I had a very difficult mother. And maybe if I look back to her youth, just immediately after the Second World War, growing up in, in, in absolute mess and mayhem, mm -hmm. uh, her youth as it had... Or lack thereof. Correct, exactly. So all those kind of things. Maybe, there, maybe I shouldn't be actually too surprised that there was a nasty mm -hmm. personality disorder there, a nasty, nasty personality mm -hmm. developing out of it mm -hmm. due to her needs not being met. Mm -hmm. So... I I I hate to say that because I I I go through these emotions or this this kind of roller coaster. I should be a good son and I should be ashamed for the way I think about my dead mother to she was actually a real bitch, end of the story, towards and you know, you go through in your life through these kind of things. I think a better a better way to look at it is to actually say, Wow, if I had gone through so much shit as she did in her young life, yes. would I not, can I not maybe understand how things panned out, regardless how I feel about it? It's more the understanding, more to, to see uh, a bit. It's the empathy piece. Yeah, exactly. You know, we, we as humans are designed to have compassion and empathy in us till something really evil happens mm. that it just, oh, just, mm. you know, really plays a havoc because there's, to what you were saying earlier, We, there's this concept of there are all kinds of different memories. So there's this evolutionary memory and there's this genetic memory. Mm. Uh, so when you were describing the rats incidents, it was one of those that, you know, we carry all these things in our system. So it's 50 percent, but and 50 percent of what, you know, what is around us. So it's the whole nature versus this nurture debate, you know. But to your point, I really think it's important that a lot of times and when my trauma people make peace because forgiveness is really hard if you still have shame pain hurt mm -hmm. underneath 
it just is not possible. It mm. is not, but mm. it holds you back. It, it has an emotional hold on you mm. because that resentment is not processed. Mm. And when, when, and so I have this little chart that I teach people. It's like, there's this triangle and think of a circle. There's a part of you that feels resentful, that feels anxious, that mm. feels abandoned, that feels unlovable. The emotional need on top for that part that all we were looking for in those times of our life when that was happening to anybody, right? Whether it was your mom or whether it's you or whether it's your children. The emotional need when that part is hurt or vulnerable or ruptured, all it's looking for is love, comfort, connection, belonging, safety, safety in our system. It's like we always tell people that we all look to feel safe in our bodies, but if we don't feel safe, then the opposite of that is fear, anxiety, lack of control, lack of, you know, all these things. And those, if those emotional needs, appreciation, validation, to be seen, to be heard, to belong, those things are what we are looking for. But if we don't get those things, needs met, emotional needs met, then we develop protectors such as the addict, the aggressor, the manipulator, the victim. There's so many different protectors that show up to protect us in that childhood because we don't have the resources and the support to deal with that. So that's how we keep safe in our system. Otherwise, we wouldn't exist out of survival. So when those parts show up, the way I've started to work on it for the whole mindfulness aspect these days, quote unquote, is that when my judgment part shows up or when my inner critique shows up, I just observe them. I don't want to do anything with that. I lean back instead of leaning in. I just keep breathing, keep relaxing and let that part work through and work itself out of my system. Because the more I feed it, it's like a good wolf and bad wolf. If I feed the bad wolf, <laughs> if I get in that judgment, at some point I'm going to start projecting that judgment on others. Who am I to judge anybody? They had their experiences. I also believe in karma. So everybody goes through their experiences. We all go through our experiences. But at this point, I'm in my life where I'm just like, my intention for my life and my lifestyle is peace. So everything around, everything is reverse engineered, my actions to get to that destination every day, period. That doesn't mean that I have messy moments. That doesn't mean I have uncomfortable emotions. That doesn't mean that it gets riled up in our household. It all happens and it's all allowed to be here. And we show up imperfectly to the peaceful life that we, if it's 80% peaceful, I'm okay with that. Some, uh, yep. I wouldn't even give a percentage to it. I, exactly. I, I appreciate every serene moment I get mm. every moment of insights, every, everything. Um, and it's, it's lovely to hear you, to hear you being so accepting because that is, that is really, I guess that's one of the big hallmarks of those people who have done enough work to actually mm be able to deal with these waves of neurochemicals there. I want I want to do I want to touch on two more things there in your story that are that intrigue me and amaze me. 
Um, first thing is we both before just before we got onto the show, uh, one of my rituals is that I do some breathing, uh, mm. and and you were talking the breath work, so we were both doing it naturally. But I think <laughs> I think let's talk a little bit about the, the oh, yes. effect of breathing because yes. breathing is yeah such a normal thing. I mean, for crying out loud, and to just remind you guys in here a bit a little bit lower than my camera, there is a dome of a muscle. And that muscle, every time you contract it, it goes down and it sucks air in and then it relaxes, come up and air gets passively out. So that's what happens. And then we've got also muscles out here that lift the chest wall up and uh, help you a little bit. But the vast majority is our diaphragm. So that's mm. at least what, what it, the way it should look like. So just a quick refresher on anatomy and physiology. That's how we breathe. Yes. So, now, let's talk breathing, however, in a healing sense. Uh, Gunjani, how, when, when people sort of look at you and you say, come on, let's breathe together, and they look at you and you say, what? I breathe uh, just fine. And I'm like, yeah. mm, we all breathe to live. And a lot of times we don't breathe. You know, when we're anxious, just catch yourself. Are you breathing? Is it shallow? Is it fast? Is it, where, where are you with your breath? How often do you check, track your breath other than, anatomically and automatically, you're just supposed to involuntarily live. I mean, that is a part of one breath in, you're in this world, one breath out, you exit. But in between, how many times do you track it? Intentionally, consciously track it. We don't. Hmm. So lately, the, my whole breath work journey started as a result of, um, I have, I'm very big on manifesting and creating and being a co-creator of my life. And I was like, you know, as I was going through my journey of postpartum and I was just coming out of my shell and sort of like out of that valley, I was, I, my intention, I mean, my, back then I wasn't that intentional. Now I'm so much more intentional every day and very aware of that. But when I was um, coming out of that, I was, I, I, I had put it out there that I wanted to have something as a, as a, as a part of my soul's bigger purpose on this planet. I loved what I did in terms of therapy and mental health. And I was trying to, you know, sort of work and raise mental health awareness and education and stuff around that. So I started my own podcast. I was going through my own imposter syndrome and the perfectionism and all of that. And I'm like, who am I to say anything? Who's going to listen to me? Blah, blah, blah. And all that stuff. And I was like, no, let me just face those fears. And I had heard one of Louise Howe's great, you know, the School of Greatness podcast. And he's like, he's been through his story. And, you know, he was like, face your fears. Just do one thing every year that you feel fearful of. And last year it was like, I can't put myself in front of millions of people. Are you kidding? I, could, I hardly had a hard time looking at myself. Forget putting myself out there, you know? Mm. And then I was like, fine, I'm just going to face my fear and just do it. What? Nobody will listen? Fine. So I did that in November and I started my podcast. It's called Traumatic Transformations. The season one, we got done with season one in May and now I'm like revamping. So I'm like, I want to come back with the next, you know, the season two is more focused. But back then I was like, okay, I don't know. I'm just serving, you know, mental health, traumatic transformations. I want to help people. Uh, I want to give hope and inspiration to people who, who are in the shit and having a hard time having hope. And especially given the whole COVID situation, a lot of people I knew, or at least in my, you know, mental health world, there were a lot of knock, like, I want help. I want to seek help. And that was something that I was really big on that I wanted to foster people seeking help because I came from 
the culture, the upbringing, not just my parents, but just the whole nurturing thing was don't seek help. It's weak to seek help. Don't ask, you know, and all that stuff. And I'm like, you have to be strong. Don't be emotional. Don't be weak and all those things. And I'm just like, oh, my God, going through it alone. It's just so much harder seeking help and having someone's guidance and mentoring through it is just wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to the breathing thing, how it ties in. So the the podcast led to me talking about stress and anxiety with someone and they were like breath work. And on the you know thing on the podcast or on social media, I used to hear breath work, breath work, breath work. I'm like, what is that? I'm like, I'm Indian. I breathe. I mean, I did a lot of yoga, pranayama and all that stuff. All right. But is that it? You know, so. Uh, I have done meditations and stuff in my lifetime, uh, quite like uh, the, the past decade. So I was like, what is this thing that I don't know about? And then uh, show uh, the guest that showed up, she connected me to someone because I, in my head, I was like, when things are happening, I go seek EMDR therapy and it's like taken care of in two sessions or three, four hours or whatever. Mm. And I worked through it because I'm like, I help people, but I, I you can't hold the container and be in the container at the same time for someone. So I was like... I need to seek help. And then I was like, let me try this breathwork thing. And then I tried it. And then I signed up. Like, it was the the breathwork modality that I'm trained in. It's called pause breathwork. And basically, they're very trauma-informed, very intentional, very music and movement-oriented. So it's, like, very, like, incorporating all aspects of healing because I know that not everybody seeks help for therapy. But I know that there are certain breath patterns that are supposed to be deeply, deeply, deeply relaxing, especially to people's systems who have been through a lot of trauma. When you are not used to, in your body, feeling safe, when you are not used to feeling calm, that to your system is very triggering because it's like, why is it not like that all the time? So I wanted to find something that was equivalent to EMDR, but better or just as good, you know, where there are some patterns that are used to just step-by-step safety first, just getting people's systems used to breathing. And, you know, like, because there's a whole neuroscience part to it that I won't get into because I get so psyched and it'll be like an hour talk about it. But like you were saying, the whole diaphragmatic thing, you know, it's like when you inhale there is a part of your brain, the brain stem. If this was a brain, this was your limbic, which is like a fight or flight, the uh, the subconscious part of your brain, the right brain, which is emotions, thinking, you know, imagination, feelings, intuition. And then the left brain is what I was talking about earlier, the thinking, the reasoning, the decision making, the moral part of your brain. The, the brain stem is directly connected to it goes through all your organs and it connects directly to the base of your stomach. So when you inhale, if your stomach goes up and you exhale, you you empty out, mm-hmm. you trigger parasympathetic nervous system, which is the relaxation part of your brain. Mm-hmm. When you're used to always buzzing and stressed and fight or flight and easily anxious all the time, if you just practice three minutes, starting with three minutes, you don't even have to do more in the beginning when you're just starting out because it's, it's difficult. Um, but so I found this modality that was just relaxing and also deeply transformative. If you did longer, they said that if you breathe more than eight hours continually, you get into altered states of consciousness. And I have experienced that myself. So I was like, wow, because you have to tap into your subconscious. A lot of mindset work, I think, 
it pauses because it's obviously meant to keep us safe and it protects. So it's like it, it, instead of, you know, being in our awake state, we go deeper, bypass the ego. So we're not trying to say, oh, I'm not going to think or feel this. We just get into those deep states of relaxation and unload, unleash, unre- just release all these emotionality that we're holding on to that we won't allow ourselves to go to out of protection mm-hmm. through just mindset or cognitive work. So when you're breathing, you're just sitting and breathing. Your body has this innate intelligence within it, this wisdom that is there. But if we don't allow ourselves to consciously get to it because of our mind, which is meant to pr- protect us. But so with this breathing, I was just literally, it was three months of 20-minute short sessions of just deeply integrative work. That in itself was so powerful. And then these hour-long breathing meditations that were much deeper work was transformative. I went in there like, hi, guys. Like, I feel great. Like, yeah, I know I'm here. And I came out roaring like, yes, I'm here and I need to be seen. And I feel seen, heard, and supported. And I'm willing to offer that support to everyone that comes my path and is committed to that level of healing. Indeed. And that is powerful. And that is that is. It sounds like like hocus pocus, yet it is actually so, so, so true. It's so powerful. Absolutely. Everyone who goes on this journey and really, truly learns how to breathe, um, it is happening. And there, it's not a wishy-washy kind of concept. If I take a knife and actually cut you apart and look inside, there is this vagus nerve that is coming from the brainstem, running down the center of your chest, and it's basically going through the diaphragm. So here we are by actually breathing deep. Um, there is a direct stimulation of this vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is actually um, the parasympathetic nervous system. So fight and flight is sympathetic. Parasympathetic is the relaxation, the calming down. So here we have got a direct link from here to there. Okay. So when- and it's a self-healing tool. We don't have to pay for it. We all own it. We, if we only knew how to do it. That's the biggest exactly. thing. You exactly. don't need me for the rest of my life, for your life to to learn how to breathe. Like once I learned, I'm on my now I just certified and I'm a facilitator. But in the beginning, I needed that support. I needed that help. I needed yep. that someone holding the container and guiding me through it because otherwise my mind would get in the way. But now I am I, every minute, every day, I have to 10 minutes a day, if not yep. less, sit and breathe, release everything. So I wasn't going into the next day with that mm. junk from yesterday. It just will not happen anymore. Oh, good, Johnny. Uh, so many beautiful, beautiful truths you have touched oh. upon today. So uh, oh, honestly, good, Johnny, I mean, uh, if you did, you really opened a few windows in my brain to let some fresh air into some nooks and crannies there to actually say, Huh, yeah. So I, I, I was blessed because I've on a, I was on a similar journey as you. Yet uh, again, life has overtaken me a bit. I've become very busy. Have I done the basics? Do did I actually do some some meditations and breathing works recently? Yeah, nah. Um, so <laughs> we do it till we don't, right? We just sometimes get very complacent. That's life, but that's why we connect to people in communities that are that's like, it. okay, tap tap. 
<laughs> exactly, exactly. So I'm so grateful that that you reminded me on on mm. what I need to do is to look after myself. So that's Absolutely. so 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 great. Gunjani, if if people liked what they heard today, how can they get hold of you? So this time, finally, because of this interview, I think I got my act together because I was on pause on social media. I'm like, wait a second, I'm still rebranding. I don't know. Oh. So I used to be called G Patel Counseling. Uh, that was my website. The website is still under construction. That is soon to come because, like I said, I was really just focusing on therapy. Yeah. And then this breath work and coaching world opened up because I was like, I want to serve more people. I want to do more. I have a bigger impact to make on this planet before mm. I exit. We don't know when that is, but... In the meantime, I don't want to regret when it's there. Hmm. So I figured, okay, the so I, I rebranded to this company called um, Consciously Living. Healing, hmm. the consciously healing part is the therapy part. The consciously creating is the consciously creating the parenting experience you need to create hmm. so you don't regret later. And the consciously awakening is the breathwork part, which is how can you use tools every day to live in your alignment, live in your clarity so that you're not living out of what people told you you should be or what you thought people think with about you. Mm. All of that stuff, 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 stuff that almost made you forget. And just the playful, the love, the safe, beautiful, supported human being that you are. Beautiful. That's how babies are. We forget along the way. So true. Guys, look down there into the description of the YouTube and of the podcast because I've put Gunjani's uh, details in there. So no, no difficulty for you finding her. And whilst you're down there, please press the subscribe button. And whilst yeah. you're pressing subscribe, make that mental note of saying, hey, this was actually a pretty cool, cool show. Um, why don't I tell my friends about it? And so mm. go out there, spread the word uh, about Gunjani's uh, podcast, about her uh, healing work that she does and maybe that might be something for you guys to look into um, and contact her or you might say well actually there is that's that's how about or and so go to good Johnny and go to my my work <laughs> check it out because there is we come from all sides to look at trauma through the various lenses that my guests bring about and and or bring up and these lenses could be from a more healing point of view the breath work etc or it could be more to look at the trauma in its own right and the lessons that people learn from that so there is there is not one path that will suit everyone right. so therefore expose yourself go imagine imagine all those those things that we are doing, that the healing, that all those things, imagine that as flavors of ice cream. And yes. it's a hot summer's day, and you are standing in front of a beautiful cornucopia of, of ice cream everywhere. And why don't you taste a few, okay? Why don't you actually see what happens when you learn how to breathe? What happens with EMDR? What happens with other things? And explore. And some things you might say, oh, they don't test very well. And others you might say, yes, I want more of that. Yes. Hey, this is this is what how I want you guys to look at life. Trauma is a given. You can't do anything about it. But how you deal with it, that yeah. is your choice. 
So now that's good. Gunjani, you're a gorgeous guest. Thank you so much for coming onto my show. You really, 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 honestly, you really brought fresh air going through some of those nooks and crannies. And I'm, I'm excited to go on more on more of a of a meandering path in my own healing um, because there is so much more to learn there's so much more to to grow into so who do i want to be when i grow up i don't know yet i'm working on it i'm working (laughs) (laughs) curiosity is the key to healing it is literally we get to explore we get to be curious we get to just show up so what if that's absolutely what if i was willing Oh, Gunjani, thank you so much for coming onto my show. And you guys out there, look after yourself. Stay strong. Don't give up hope. There is hope out there. And, you know, I, I believe in you guys. And look after yourself. Yes, yes. Bye. Yes. <laughs>